Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Thank you, the voice of Ryan Treasure. Welcome. This is Read My Lips, Cool Conversations with Creatives. I'd like to think I'm one of my creatives. I have a fabulous group of ladies today. We're talking about discovering creativity. This is Read My Lips, as I say, and that's all we're going to talk about is what you do, how you do it, how you design and create your life. That's about it. We're not selling anything. We're not doing any book reviews. We're just going to keep you interested and intrigued. Ladies on my panel, I haven't introduced you yet, but for the sake of LinkedIn and Facebook, just wave Hello, there we are. And I have a quick exercise before I introduce the show. Ladies, make the shape of the letter L, please. There we go. And on the count of three, well, it doesn't matter. Put them both hands. I don't know. Make a little house. On the count of three, we're going to say hello, L, L, L. Here we go. One, two, three. Hello, Hello, L, L, L. Josh is my engineer. Josh, I have to tell you, out of probably 10,000 shows. Well, I'm over-exaggerating a little bit. That's the best. So LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs. She lives in Whitestone, New York. She's our most loyal listener. There we go. Lovely, lanky Laura Legs, loyal listener. And I'm trying, uh, Anne, I'm telling you this, I've been holding a fictitious GoFundMe for about five years now, trying to raise fictitious money so I don't have any issues you know with reporting and all that to move her to a place that starts with L but London was too hot last year so we're trying to think of where and Larchmont doesn't really fit her bold personality so if anybody I'm taking suggestions anybody is a place with L for us to move Laura to let me know email me at aka radio red at gmail and we'll see what we can do thank you ladies so let me tell you what we're going to do today it's april 10th it's the 100th day of the 2023 gregorian calendar and pope gregory the 13th in 18 1582 didn't like the julian calendar so he changed it that's how we got it he was one of the early creatives 265 days left this is the 15th monday and nobody cares about that except me and what's interesting about this is that if ladies you are thinking about what what you're going to do on New Year's Eve because it's April 10th. It's not that far away. 265 days. Start thinking about if you're going to order a bottle of champagne or wine online, do it soon. They're all going to disappear because the world is still coming out of you know what, and we're all happy to be here. If you're going to be making Kahlua in on the side of the garage or in the sink in the backyard, and I want you to start the flavors for the Kahlua, Beverly, you're going to order that champagne online. And Nina, if you have any relative who used to make bootleg liquor, go get the still out and you're going to start that again. So I just want you to all be prepared. This is the first Arbor Day, seriously, was in April 10th, 1872. And what happened? People in Nebraska planted one million trees. Don't ask me how I know. It just popped up into my mind. I collect all kinds of stuff. This is the sign of Aries in the Zodiac. Any one of you ladies Aries today? Anybody born in Aries? Well, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to guess that you are honorary Aries because I'm going to read the personality traits and just nod if it describes you. Aries do things their own way. Mm-hmm. I think we're all pretty eh, pretty independent there. Um, Aries are unafraid of, unafraid of conflict. Mm-hmm. They're competitive, ambitious, honest. They have high energy. They're self-aware. 
They have strong opinions that they're ready to defend. They throw themselves at the world eagerly without fear. They're driven to prove themselves and their strength. Naturally, they take charge and they can be impatient. So don't waste their time. Let's go around the table quickly. Beverly Eagle Rogers, did that describe you? More so my daughter, but yes, my daughter is a true Aries Melody. There you go. <laughs> Nina Angela Lee, did that describe you? Yes, most certainly. Okay. And Charles, what about you? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm I'm a Virgo, so I, I'm sitting here in my head going, well, this and this, you know, all very logically tackling it. But yes, definitely some of that ambition, you know, and, and I thought so. I had a feeling we're going to learn that about you. So let me introduce my three special guests, and then I'm going to ask them to give the full bio. And Charles is up first, came to us through the good graces of Mickey Mickelson at Creative PR. And Anne spent her childhood exploring mines and ruins. Yes. Most most of us were playing with some kind of doll. She was in the ruins. She writes spicy stories full of quirky characters, mystery, comedy, adventure, suspense, romance, and supernatural mayhem. And I can't wait to hear more about what you do. Recently, we've seen that when movies are described, films are described, they are mashing up the genres. We can have a dramedy. We can have a sci-fi, super adventure, fantasy uh, time travel movie and and all the genres, but you've got everything in her mystery, comedy, adventure, suspense, romance. So I can't wait to hear about your books. And thanks for joining us. Mm -hmm. Then we have Dr. Beverly Eagle Rogers. She's going to explain the eagle. She's wearing an absolutely gorgeous white outfit today. I can't believe it. And she's the author of A Century Plus of Living, the autobiography of Cora Jones Boot. There's another nickname, McLeod. This is recounting the life of Beverly's great aunt who lived to 104. And I have to tell you, Beverly, my mom lived to 100 years, one month and 15 days. And whenever wow. she heard that somebody had passed in their 90s, she said, too soon. That's <laughs> what she said, you know, so that's what we get. And her best friend Gertrude did pass at 104, I heard. So there you go. And then we have Nina Angela Lee. Nina, wave hello. She's a grief recovery specialist. We're not going to talk sad today, but she's also a singer songwriter. And she writes something I've never heard of musical hugs. I can't wait. And she's the an author. She'll tell us about her books. And Nina is the president of Women of Worth. Wow. W-O-W Utah. Nina, welcome. So happy to have you. And I met Beverly and Nina at the March 21st, 2023 National Publicity Summit presented by Bradley Communications. And that's where I get it. I used to get 99% of my guests there, but Mickey helps bring wonderful people like Ann Charles to the show. So we're doing a, a blend of sources today. So let's go around the table. Ladies, when you speak, I'll put you on full screen speaker view. And I would like Ann Charles to go first. And three minutes Pack your entire life into three minutes and tell us who you are and what does creativity mean to you. And officially, welcome. Thank you. Oh, wow. Three minutes. I can I can talk forever, according to my husband. So this is going to be hard. Um, let's see. Uh, I started off writing back in the 1990s when um, you went through publishers and you you know hit your head on the wall repeatedly. And I tried in the, in between between then and 2011 when I published uh, the first book in in my Deadwood Mystery series, um, I lived a lot of life. I finished college, I had some kids, um, finished one marriage, you know, got into another one and just a lot of stuff in between. But then in 2011, I, uh, you know, I decided it's time to really get serious about this, even though I was working a day job. And I dug in and uh, published the first book, like I said, Nearly Departed in Deadwood, in my Deadwood Mystery Series. Since then, 
Uh, I have five ongoing series. One of them I co-write with my husband. Um, total of 35 books, working on 36 right now. And um, I've been fortunate to have so many wonderful things happen on this journey. For example, um, USA Today bestseller. I did make the list. That was a lot of fun. Um, I was a question on Jeopardy. So that was shocking and kind of a, a fun a story I tell, but I, I won't bore you with that one for now. You're I've not won- boring, Anne. Nothing you've said is boring. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it involves my mother who, who called me at work saying, you're on Jeopardy. And I said, no, I'm not. I'm at work. What are you talking about? So I didn't even know. And uh, I was a question. So that was really exciting. And nobody knew the answer, which you would think, oh, I'm sorry. But no, that means you sit there while that Jeopardy song plays and plays. And I I still I'm on the rerun. So people still write to me and say, oh, I saw you on Jeopardy. So um, I've I've won a lot of national awards, um, received so many wonderful reviews from readers um, who are uh, many friends now, you know, started off readers and became friends. And every year I have a Deadwood fan party for those um, who read the books and want to go to Deadwood where the books are set so they can be there and experience that. You know, it's kind of like my version of Harry Potter world, I guess. So we have a great time and we were there for three to four days. So in short, that's me and Charles and, and Red, you already said the different genres I like to match, you know, mash together. And it's been like that from the start. I tried to write first romance and then just mystery, but I realize I'm, I, I have to throw it all together to really have fun on the page. Absolutely incredible. I want to say congratulations. I don't think I've ever had anybody on the show. I have a lot of authors. I don't think of anybody who has written 35 books. I'm, I'm impressed because I'm still working on my first uh, comedy novel, and it's been two years, and I have serious writer's block. I'm having so much fun writing the funny parts that I actually forgot to put a detective in to solve the almost murder, <laughs> and I just put a detective in two weeks ago, and then I walked away from it. Very, uh, I've never met anybody who had a Jeopardy question. Can you tell us what the question was? Um, the what was the yeah, answer? Yeah, the answer was, Anne Charles writes stories set in this morbid sounding town in South Dakota. I think it was something like that. And it was, what is Deadwood? What, you must be so well known that it would be considered a valid Jeopardy question because somebody's well, supposed to know the answer, Anne. It right? shocked me. I didn't think my, at the time I was like, what? I'm I'm on there. And it was really cool because it was one where they had the stars come on. And one of my favorite comedians, Lewis Black, was on there. And he, of course, these guys don't know, you know, who I am. They're too busy being comedians and, and you know, building all their but comedy now shows. Now they but. do. I think the next thing is to get you as a clue in a New York Times crossword puzzle. Ooh, that would be Sunday exciting. Puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yes, that would be, that would be. I was watching some kind of a sitcom last week and the woman said, I'm, 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 I'm a clue in a puzzle. Look at this. And she called people over. So we'll, we'll see if we can arrange that. I'll see if All we're right. short still doing the puzzles. And lovely to meet you. Really Thanks. impressive. By the way, are you a pantser or a plotter? I'm a mix. I, I used to do a lot of talks as a pantser because I do lean that way. But I, to be honest, you know, I do some plotting. It's just when I plot too much, 
I just go the other way and I don't even pay attention to it. So it's a real waste of my time to plot too much. Thank you. Most of my authors on the show recently have said they were the hybrid between the pantser and the plotter. Mm-hmm. Plotter writes all the outlines, gets it all ready, and just, oh, I think I'll write chapter three. And the plotter, pantser says, ah, see to my pants. I think I'll write for an hour today. Whatever it is, it is. And right. I think they have more fun. Thank you, Beverly Eagle Rogers. You're up. I'm putting you on speaker view. Let's hear more about who you really are. Beverly, welcome. Wow, thank you so much. And I'm excited. Maybe one day I'll be a clue on Jeopardy or really Aunt Cora. <laughs> that should be the one that's a, a clue. And uh, I'm definitely a, I guess, a prancer. But when it came to writing the autobiography of Cora Jones Boot McCloud, I had to plot it because it really was a life history. Um, during school, I always was more mathematic. That was my math- mathematician. Uh, that was my major. But I loved English, and English was the subject out of every freshman at the University of Carolina, North Carolina. I made the only A in English. So I did know, and of all the students, and it was thousands of them, and the teacher told us in the beginning, Radio Red, I don't give out A's. Maybe you, two people will get B's and the rest of y'all will get C, D, and F. And so that was something that made me think maybe I could write. But of course, 50 years later, I ended up talking to Aunt Cora about her life history because she was fixing to turn 100 years young. And I sat down at her rocking chair and started asking questions questions of, you know, what happened back in 1925 and 1930 and just all the years. And she remembered so much. She could remember when she was three years old. And from that, I got a green teal notebook and start writing down the different uh, stories that she told. And it took us four and a half years, but the autobiography became a reality. How very, very exciting. I can tell from your smiles, Beverly, you really enjoyed it. Now, you need to please tell us, where did Eagle come from for you? And Aunt Cora, where did Boot come from? (laughs) Anne wants to know where Boot came from. Go ahead, Beverly. I'm part of a great company. It's a supplemental health company, Global Life Family Heritage. And the founder was the original Ball Eagle because he was bald. And when I started 23 years ago, um, I had so many people that I helped get supplemental coverage that he called me the true eagle or the eagle. So for that, I became the eagle. Aunt Boot had no idea where Boot came from. She said from the beginning, people just called her Boot and nobody ever told her how she got the name Boot. But it was, of course, her name, even when a new pastor came to her church and the people found out he was coming to her church, they said, oh, you would be Aunt Boot's pastor. And they were like, Boot, who's Boot? So when he got to Durham, he knew that there was a Boot in the church. (laughs) So I love it. Church 88 years. Can you imagine? No. 88 years. No, cannot even imagine. Well, I'm sure she would be. And so you were writing this while she was still alive, correct? Yes, ma'am. Yes, she read every bit of it. Did she she enjoy that? She did. She sat up one night at three o'clock in the morning and I'm like, Aunt Boo, go to bed. She said, you still writing? I can stay up too. And this is at 102 years old then. So she was amazing. There's a, a TV sitcom. I don't remember what it's on one of the major networks called not dead yet 
or not yet dead, one of the two. <laughs> and it's adorable. There's a, a young lady who wants to be a newspaper writer, a reporter, and they assign her to the the dead column, the obituaries. But all of a sudden, the people she's writing about visit her and you see them on the screen. It's an actor or an actress and they become part of her life, but she's the only one who can see them. Wow. And she has... And she researches them and she interacts and they start giving her advice on her love life and what she's doing and what she's writing. It's absolutely, it's adorable. It's funny, but you might really enjoy it because she, as I say, she sees them and, and she, she just, sometimes they tell her that's not the obituary I deserve. That's not the me I want you to write about. <laughs> so the characters are being written as somebody who had a very vibrant life a, a a sitcom star or a soap mm -hmm. opera star was on last night's or a musician. And uh, anyway, take a look. I think it's not not dead yet or not yet dead. Okay. It, it's adorable. <laughs> I think you'll enjoy it. Thank you. Speaking of which, we have Nina Angela Lee. And Nina, nothing to do with your topic, but 21 ways to support those who are grieving. Sad topic, but you are a creative as well because you wrote it. So Nina, would you please do us the honor of giving us a full introduction? Who are you? Welcome. Thank you so much. Well, I didn't wake up one day and think, I want to be a grief recovery specialist, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I feel like I was thrown into this profession uh, following the death of my son. And I went to a dark place and my sister called and she's like, what is happening to you? And I... I needed a way to express how I was feeling and searching for peace and light again and joy. And I found it. And after I did, I thought, oh, I don't want all those people who are where I once was to stay there. And I was so passionate that, that they get the help they needed. And I received this phone call from a friend who I hadn't heard from in months after my son passed away, and she was so apologetic. She's like, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't reach out. I didn't want to hurt you anymore by saying the wrong thing. So I just stayed away, and I'm sorry. And I thought, oh, my goodness. This was the same phrase I heard over and over again from these dear people who were struggling with grief, that there was like this mass exodus of people not knowing what to do. And I thought, there's a big disconnect here because all those people are, are very compassionate and they want to help, but they weren't quite sure how. And I'm like, okay, I may not be a writer, but I know how to get people the, the resources they need. And that's how this book came about is just looking at all the resources out there and that people can open the book and go, I can do this. Oh, I can do that. Just easy things. And certainly something will resonate with you to reach out and support our dear friends who desperately need support. Very, very interesting that creativity, it comes in all shapes and all faces and all beliefs. It comes in all forms. As you said, you didn't even know you were a writer, for goodness sake. And here you are. C could you, I don't usually do this, but could you give us one or two tips on what people could say versus should not say, Nina? 
Oh, yes. One of the biggest things, people will say, I know exactly how you feel. And and friends, you don't. (laughs) Even if if you lost um, a child, that relationship is completely different, no matter who you are. So you could say something like, I can't even imagine how you're feeling right now, but no, I'm here for you. Nice. Thank you very much. Yes. There is a need for different kinds of writing, right? And people want to know what it's like in the, in the comedy and the supernatural. Beverly, people want to know the amazing 104 years your Aunt Cora boot lived and Nina, people want to know what to say when somebody's not around anymore. Very interesting. I, just so you all know, um, I don't pick people for this show, this panel who have done similar things. I don't. I like to just let the chips fall, let let the the creativity come together, because I think we all learn from each other different styles and different ways of looking at it. But in my opinion, everybody is a creative because I like to say I didn't come out of my mom with a handbook on I'm going to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to look like this, you're going to talk this way, you're going to go to Some parents do, but they can't really control us. We're all just creating who we are. Right, Anne? Right, right, Nina? Right, Beverly? So I think everybody is a creative. And I explain this to some people and they look at me like, what? I don't sing, I don't dance, I don't pain. I'm not a creative. Okay. I sew with a pattern. I'm not a creative. (laughs) Yes, you are. You're sewing. There you go. Let's go to the part of the show. Thank you for the bios, ladies. I appreciate it very much. And it's wonderful to get to know all of you. And Charles, I'm looking at the quote you picked, uh, and you're going to tell us a little bit about what it has to do with your creativity. I've asked my three guests to pick a quote from a fictional character, from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that doesn't have the word creativity, like, yeah, what does? Okay, there you go. That's pretty easy. She's picked a quote from Hogan, played by Clint Eastwood. Does it get any better than that? The movie is Two Mules for Sister Sarah. I think if it doesn't have the H, you're supposed to say Sarah instead of Sarah. 1971 American-Mexican Western film. It's in Panavision, blah, blah, blah. Shirley MacLaine, my goodness. She was billed above Clint Eastwood in the credits, but not on the poster. Interesting. Set during the French intervention in Mexico from 1861 to 67. It was the first in a five-year association between Universal Pictures and Sanon Productions of Mexico. We'll just leave it there. Here's the quote. <laughs> Every, I can't do a Clint Eastwood impersonation. I'm sorry, Anne. It's just not going to happen. I'll just do my own voice. Everybody's got a right to be a sucker once. What an interesting quote. How did you find that quote in a movie from 1971? Do you know how long ago that was, Anne? That's over 50 years ago. I was born in 1971, so yeah. <laughs> I do know. I, I feel the ache I was going to say you weren't even around. Oh, oh I was. Goodness gracious. <laughs> I wake up every morning and think, oh, that was so long ago, 1971, with all the aches and pains I feel when I get out of bed, right? So what does this have to do with your creativity? I can't wait to hear this one. You know, that is a movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. I've watched it since I was a kid and they would play it on TV with umpteen million commercials and it took forever to get through it. Um, I just, I've always loved Shirley MacLaine's character in this. Um, Sister Sarah, She she's not a nun, but she's playing one initially because his character says, Oh, I'll only save you out here in the desert because you're a nun. If you weren't, I'd leave you because I have stuff to do. And so she plays that. She's really a prostitute. 
um, down at a Mexican brothel. So she plays this whole nun thing, you know, through most of the movie. And and I always just thought it's such a great play on words. And and it's not that, you know, he says this earlier on when she's asking about his history and he says, everybody's got the right to be a sucker once. But it's so fun because at the end he realizes she got him you know, and who she really is. And by then he's uh, fallen in love with her. Um, and so it's a really fun mix of Western and humor and romance and Shirley MacLaine and Clint Eastwood. And so they have great chemistry. And I just, I always love Hogan. There's so many lines he gives and that's just one of my favorites. And and it just rings true. We all, you know, have the right to screw up. You know, it's okay if you screw up. And at least once, you know, if not more. So (laughs) I write humor, you know, that's a lot of the basis of characters is the the mistakes they make and how they come Mm. back from them. And there's a lot of humor in that. So that's kind of the, you know, gist of why I chose that one. Thank you. Very, very interesting. I appreciate that. Thank you. And does it get any better than Shirley MacLaine and Clint Eastwood? Seriously, in terms of icons of acting she was amazing. And she's young. I mean, she's just young and in her prime. And she was just so funny. Yep. Very, very interesting. Very talented actress. Let's go to Beverly. I'm just going to call you Beverly Eagle. Okay. Beverly okay. Eagle. <laughs> you have picked a quote from Rocky Three, 1982. It's still vintage American sports drama film. The scene is Clubber Lang, played by Mr. T, says, I'm a bust you up. And Rocky Balboa, played by who else? Sylvester Stallone says, go for it. So the line Beverly has picked is go for it. Let me give a little bit of background here. Um, Let's see. Third installment in the Rocky film series, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Carl Weathers, Burgess Meredith. Rocky Balboa faces stiff competition from Clubber Lang, a powerful Mm -hmm. new contender, and turns to his old adversary, Apollo Creed, played by Carl Weathers, to help him train. I'll just leave it at that. So the quote Beverly picked is, Go for it. What does this have to do with your creativity, Ms. Beverly Eagle? Well, it has a lot to do with Sylvester Stallone's creativity as well, because who would have thought that a person could create a character that the world would fall in love with? And you could not only have a Rocky, a Rocky two, a Rocky three, a Rocky four, a Rocky five, a Rocky Balboa. And then now he's done Creed one, Creed two, Creed three. I think go for it really to me means why not? Why not stretch yourself? Why not put it out there? Uh, Again, never wrote a book before. So why not sit down one day and, and write some stories and get them put together in a way that would tell someone's life. And so I've heard Sylvester say several times, I'm so thankful for my fictitious friend, Rocky Balboa. And he really, you know, it it made his life. And to look at it, it's just fresh every time. I watched the other night just to make sure that I was enjoying it as much as I did in 1982. And of course, that was the first one that I watched. And then I went back and watched the first two. And of course, everybody that knows me knows Rocky's on my wall. So... Thank you very much. Go for it. It, it's, it could be a mantra and it's easy to crochet or write on the side of a wall with anybody getting upset. Uh, go for it. Really, really and truly go for it. Yes, I didn't know what I was doing when I signed up for a stand-up comedy class in New York at Steve Rosenfeld's American Comedy Institute. And three weeks later, I was on stage at Caroline's with 
paying customers in the audience, including my mother, my father, and a bunch of neighbors who bought a table. And, and we filled it up the place with about, there were 10 of us. We filled it up with, I don't know, a couple hundred people. And they had to pay admission. This was the real deal. And we had an opening comedian and the closing, the bookends. And we got three or four minutes with the blue light and the whole thing. And I said to myself, go for it. And people started inviting me to do comedy around New York in these dinky little clubs underneath places and around places. And I started my own troupe and I started a TV show called What's So Funny. And I took improv lessons from from some famous people in Manhattan. And it was just interesting. Go for it. I like that. I like that. You You might have just inspired me to get rid of my writer's block, which is just a bad (laughs) excuse. That's what I was going to tell you. Go for it and finish your book. I'm going to. I'm going to. Thank you very much. Nina, I'm looking at your quote. This is from Dory, voiced by Ellen DeGeneres. Finding Nemo, of course, we're a little more modern now. 2003 American computer animated adventure film. Dory is the regal blue tang, plucky, forgetful with short-term memory loss. And let's see, it's about uh, the overprotective clownfish named Marlin, who with Dory searches for his missing son, Nemo. Marlin learns to take risks and come to terms with his son, Nemo, taking care of himself. And the quote is, when life gets you down, do you want to know what you've got to do? Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just keep swimming, swimming. Love the quote. Nina, talk to me about your creativity. Go ahead. I find that when I'm heading in a certain direction and I may uh, come to a, a stumbling block, that sometimes you just have to to pivot, to to do something different. And maybe it doesn't look the way you thought it was going to look. But as you uh, persevere, like Dory, and just keep swimming and try something different, a little different, it can actually become something so much bigger and brighter and better than you even envisioned to begin with. And, and that's how I have found in, in my writing, I thought I was going in one direction and I was very focused on that. And it just kept stalling and I couldn't figure out why. And it was like, oh, okay, I need to open my mind to these other possibilities. And soon things started to flow more. I'm like, okay, I just have to keep at it and look at things in a different angle and just keep swimming. Till it feels right. Just keep right. swimming, swimming, swimming. And the important thing is to keep floating while you're swimming, right? Just yeah. stay on top of that damn water. That's Thank right. you, ladies. Very interesting quotes. I'm going to pick one or two creativity statements from each of you. I'll read them. You don't have to look for anything. And just ask you to expand, or as they say on the news, unpack this, please, a little bit. <laughs> and Charles, I'm looking at your statement number two. Your first one, uh, creativity is coming up with unique ideas when it comes to anything. We, we hear th- that paraphrase different ways often from guests, but I like the one, your statement too. You say creativity can be as simple as combining ingredients in a different way to make a meal like fish stick nachos. Or creativity can be as complex as developing a new story world and writing multiple books and book series within it. So give us a little bit about the simple stuff. That's what I'm interested in. Talk to me. (laughs) So my husband is the cook uh, in our family. He is amazing. And anyone who knows me or has, you know, or heard me talk knows I'm not very good in the kitchen. Um, I struggle to follow a recipe for some reason. I could do a lot of other things, but that recipe just 
you know, it's not my thing. So anyway, he was um, up with his mother in Washington, helping take care of some stuff with her. And I had the kids home um, and we had just driven home all the way from Washington back down to Arizona. And we got home and they were hungry. And I said, I don't know. Let's see what we have. And then I looked and we had some tortilla shells and we had some cheese and we had fish sticks and (laughs) chips, tortilla chips. And I said, well, protein, fish sticks, cheese, you know, that's got some goodness for you. Let's throw them on chips. Let's heat them in the microwave. Let's see how this turns out. And um, I, I happened to be talking to my sister at the time, and she said, you're making what? And I said, <laughs> it it doesn't have to be some, you know, great meal on a chef show. If the kids like fish stick nachos, then we're going for it. And so that's why I mentioned that because I still get, um, you know, razzed a little bit by my family about, oh, he's gone. You're going to make more fish stick nachos. And I say they still love them. <laughs> you know, I, I love to just throw foods together when I look in the fridge. So it can be as simple as that to me. That's creative. Um you know, and some people make a career off putting recipes together. Others of us are just trying to get by every day and feed our kids something, you know, besides cereal out of a box. So, you know, that's what I meant by as simple as that. I like that. Thank you. And it's, it's again, with your first statement, putting things together in a unique way that might not have gone together originally, or, or what if nobody ever heard of it or nobody, oh, that's not going to work. Yes, it did. <laughs> I think there's an element of surprise that comes with that creativity, right? It's like, right. I'm going to surprise us all. But if it's terrible, you don't have to eat it all. I'll, I'll eat it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. There's got to be a generosity of spirit there. Thank you very much, Beverly. I'm looking at your statement number three. This is interesting to me. You say, I'm creative because I listen well to people, to songs, to conversations. And as I listen, I'm thinking about how what was said or sung could be integrated or connected with something new, something special. I don't think I've heard that before from a guest. Very interesting. Talk to me, Beverly. Well, when you listen, you do hear not only what somebody's saying, but you hear their heart a lot of times, or you may hear their pain or their grief, you know, as Nina was saying. And when you hear it, it comes to you in a way that you can process it too. And once you process it, you may be able to take that and change it, create it, uh, connect it with something different. Uh, Listening to Ann about her husband cooking, my husband's the cook as well. And uh, I can cook too now, don't get me wrong, but uh, he's the best cook and he can create recipes as well. But just in, in a relationship, when I listen to him, I can hear him saying things and it might not be exactly what he's saying, but I hear what he's saying. So if you listen well, and if you can, you know, be a person that can uh, empathize, a person that can uh, share, you know, maybe suggestions, ideas, then you can be that creative person. And they'll say to you as well, I never thought about it that way. And that's a nice thing to say to somebody, isn't it? I never thought about it that rather than mind your own damn business and shut up, I didn't ask your opinion. Because I think we've all, my, some members of my family used to say, would you just listen? We didn't ask you to fix it. We didn't ask you for an opinion. I just want to be heard. I said, okay, mm, 
zip it up. Don't say anything. Why are you always coming up with solutions? Because I'm a creative person. Be quiet. So yeah. we we, we risk that. But but your point of view, your point is really well taken, Beverly. Thank you very much. I'll think about that. Nina, we didn't talk about your musical hugs, and I've picked your statement number two as a lead into that, as a nice segue, I think. You say, as a singer-songwriter, I use creativity to express and process emotions. I want a musical hug. Can you share something with us, Nina? Am I putting you on the spot? Go ahead. I have always loved music from the time I was a child. And when I was 11, I came into our family room and there draped in lights was this old upright piano. And it had scratches, the keys were chipped, but to me, it was beautiful. And although I did not excel in piano lessons, I found that I could sit down and words and music would come together that that would bring me peace. And I had never intended really anyone to ever hear those things. It was just cheaper than therapy for me. You know, I sit down and play music. And then my son, who he fought his disease for 17 years. And he came in one day and he's like, I'm done. I'm so tired. I, I can't do this anymore. And I told him, how brave he had been to go through all this. And he looked at me kind of funny. He's like, brave me. I'm like, are you kidding? Absolutely. Look what you've gone through and how many people you've helped through this process. And as his countenance changed, I thought I need for him to remember how brave he is. So that night I sat down and wrote him a song called I think you're brave. And over the years, I've been asked to sing it at rescue missions and all sorts of places. And people have come up to me and, and said that just felt like a hug. And, and that was such a, a blessing to hear that, that something I created was helping someone else feel loved or understood that, oh, yeah, someone else understands that feeling I'm going through right now. And and it has just been a, a wonderful thing that I've been able to share now. Thank you for sharing that with us. Nina, could you sing one or two lines from that? I'm sure it can't be easy. The challenges you face. I can't even imagine the courage that it takes. Your trials may be heavy, but you endure with grace. I, I'm, I'm speechless. I had no idea Beautiful. you had a gorgeous voice like that. Ladies, Beautiful. what do you think? That was Beautiful. That was a treat, Nina. Oh, thank you. Thank I, you. I'm one of those people that would say I can't sing, I can't dance or this. I, I love dancing, but that to me, that's creativity. Nina, that was just beautiful. beautiful. Almost show-stopping. Thank you. We we didn't plan this and I, I didn't know you could sing when I met you at the summit and you I think you touched all of us. So I, I have a relative who's going through something very difficult uh, for about nine months now. And I tell her, 
I'm proud of you and you're very brave. Oh, good. Mm. And mm. that's that's what I want to tell her. I'll tell you all offsides afterwards. So, ladies, I want to run something by you before we do some. I have some famous birthdays and some people who you whom you've never heard of on social media are having birthdays. And I have some events in music. Uh, one second. I got so emotional, Nina. Look what you did to me. You made the host cry, and she's running now. Um, I have some events in music history, and I have some famous uh Famous, not birthdays, but famous days. So let me just run this by you. I read an interview. Uh, David Byrne, songwriter and former head frontman of Talking Heads, was a guest on a writer named Stephen Johnson's podcast called How Ideas Happen. And he got into inspiration and how he developed his songs. I'm just going to run this by you. And I just want to, if this inspires you or if you agree with this, he says, sometimes I have just the title of a song that comes to me and I write it down and I go to myself, expand on that. I think there's something there. And I'll have in my computer here a whole lot of musical ideas that have maybe a melody, a nonsense word melody, awaiting words. But usually I need something to start with. Hard to start from nothing. I'll accumulate these very little beginnings. When I come back, I've got something to build on. So the article that I read says, treat your ideas like musical fragments. Choose one entry in the file and give it 30 minutes and see if you could do something with it. Hmm. Nina, just quickly, you're the songwriter. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. I have a whole file of these little nuggets. And depending on what's going on in my life right then, I can open it and that will speak to me where it didn't resonate at that time and just build on that. Absolutely. Thank you. And do you use little fragments for your stories? I need a title really before I can get writing. And it, it made me think of that, how the title helps me think of the story because I want to form the story around that. And, and yeah, so starting with just some weird title and then start building little ideas and collecting and seeing which one rings true. And it's fun to write. It just seems to flow. I like that. Beverly, what about you? Little bits and well, you were journaling uh, your story of your Aunt Cora's life, right? Very much so. And we're going to make a series. It's going to be a century plus of living and there'll be other stories of other centenarians and then maybe put books together that have their segments of their lives, their little nuggets so that I can share that. And again, maybe be as loved as chicken soup of the soul. And those would be a century plus of living series. So, yes, little nuggets from different people. Lovely. And I want to tell you all, there's a group I, I didn't really have to join them. I just subscribed to their newsletter. It's called Writer's Digest. And mm -hmm. they started something recently called PAD, Poem a Day. And every day they have a challenge, a word or a phrase, a prompt every single day. I've done it since April 1st. I've done about five of them. And then you sign up for a website called Discuss, D-I-S-Q-U-S. It's a free sign up and that lets you comment on the poem of the day site and people are writing long poems short and I always write something a little bit funny I'm a little bit irreverent which you can imagine but can I may I read to you the poem all of you that mm -hmm. I wrote about my mom I think you'll appreciate this especially Beverly I don't usually do this on the air when Ruth my mom walked into a room the energy changed everyone just felt it instantly when Ruth my mom heard bs from anyone's lips her bs radar detected it she suffered no fools wisely when Ruth, my mom, buried my dad after 53 loving years, she decided to keep living, so she dated for 21 more, flirtatiously. 
When Ruth, my mom, turned 90, she declared, no aid for me, classy every day in every way, independently. When Ruth, my mom, was too tired to play show tunes on her baby grand piano, neighbors complained they wanted more, melodiously. When Ruth, my mom, was 100 years, one month, 14 days young, she played piano, bridge, and mahjong with friends exuberantly. When Ruth, my mom, was 100 years, one month, and 15 days young, she took her last breath in her own bed, in my arms. She waited for me. I still dream about her for real. Wow. That was my poem, and the theme that day was dreams and reality. Wow. Did you get a lot of comments on that? Positive? I got a few, but the problem is that when I do it late in the day after I work, everybody's already looked at everybody's poems. So you don't get to, everybody's commented already to the early ones. You've got to be an early bird. Mm. But I I, uh, I enjoyed writing it and I enjoyed feeling it. And it just made me, I think is a little blend of what Beverly does and what Nina does in there, the, the remembrances. And, and I think there was something funny in there for you too. So- Thank you, ladies. So let's get on. I have some birthdays, famous birthdays, April 10th. I think you're going to enjoy these. Steven Seagal, Seagal, the Buddhist actor known for his martial arts. Shows. 72. Lawman, 70, 70. I have him 70. His action wow. films include Pistol Whipped, Attack Force, Black Dawn, Today You Die, and Machete. He started learning martial arts at the age of seven, and he was learning karate from a cook at a restaurant called The Wagon Wheel. He worked with Sean Connery. In 1982, Steven Seagal was a martial arts coordinator for the Sean Connery film Never Say Never Again. And he was the first foreigner to operate an Aikido dojo in Japan. I didn't know that. Happy birthday, Stephen. Babyface. Anybody remember Babyface, the Grammy Award-winning producer and R&B singer? He's worked with Ashanti, Tony Braxton, Whitney Houston, Carol King, Michael Bolton, and Aretha. He suffered, uh, Nina, you'll appreciate this. He suffered from sh sh severe shyness as a child, and he found that writing songs helped him express what he was feeling. How about that? He came out one award-winning. David Harbour, spelled the British way. Oh, by the way, Babyface is 64. David Harbour with an O-U-R. He rose to fame as the police chief, Jim Hopper, in the 2016 Netflix series, Stranger Things. He was the title character in the 2019 film, Hellboy. He appeared in Brokeback Mountain. He got his professional start on Broadway in the 1999 revival of The Rainmaker, and he was nominated for a Tony for his performance in 2005 in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Happy birthday, David. He's 48. I'm still dripping. Nina, you made me cry. I made me cry, too. Now, I have some surprise birthdays for you. I guarantee you've never heard of these two people. There's a young man on TikTok named Marcus Olin, O-L-I-N. He's 24. We're wishing him a happy birthday, and Anne's figuring why I've never heard of him. Well, Anne, I'm about to tell you. He does comedy and couples videos. He has only, ladies, are you all sitting down? He has 17 million followers on TikTok. Uh, he dan he does dance and point of view videos. He and his girlfriend, Stephanie Margarucci, operate a couple's YouTube channel called Marcus and Steph. In November 2021 on TikTok, he showed off his tattoos across his knuckles. Anybody have any idea how many views the video got? How about a million and a half? Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I pick some social media, some media people every week. To, it's a happy birthday, Marcus. Then we have somebody on YouTube called Slazo, S-L-A-Z-O. He's 23. He's an Australian. He's not as successful as Marcus. Australian YouTube star gained popularity for his roasts, social media commentary, 
eclectic comedic meme videos. Some of his most popular videos on YouTube have included musical.ly is running Rick and Morty. I have no idea what that means. His videos, this is the reason we're celebrating him, have 123 million total views. Uh Yes, he writes, he does videos on trends and ads across social media comments on internet famous people and his real name is Michael Kucharski. So happy birthday, Slazo. Now I have some musical events. Uh, I try to include some of these people who've got outrageous amounts of followers because I just think it's really cool. Most of them are 14 or 10 or nine. These were old (laughs) men at 23 and 24. Marvin Gaye, on this day in 1967, recorded his version of I Heard It Through the Grapevine which the Miracles recorded before, and it was a million seller for Gladys Knight and the Pips also. And this day in 1970, Elton John released his self-titled second album, including the breakthrough single, Your Song. Also in this day, at a concert in Boston, Jim Morrison of The Doors asked the audience, does anybody want to see my privates? That's not the word he used. He had some takers. The theater theater management switched off the power, and the keyboardist Ray Manzarek dragged Jim Morrison off the stage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> On the same day, it was quite a day. In a press release announcing his imminent debut solo album, Paul McCartney quit the Beatles this day in 1970, right. and he left them ten days later. In 1976. Peter Frampton went to number one with Frampton Comes Alive on the album chart. It was the best-selling album of 1976, six million albums in the U.S., and voted Album of the Year in the Rolling Stones readers' polls. Get this. It stayed on the charts for 97 weeks. Frampton Comes Alive. I know, I know. In 1985, on this day, Madonna began her first tour, the Virgin Tour in Seattle. In 1990... Let me skip that one. Um, Oh, a jury awarded Tom Waits two and a half million dollars in punitive damages. He sued Dorito Chips for unauthorized use of a sound-alike singer in a commercial. (laughs) He got two and a half million dollars. That's a lot of chips. In 2001, (laughs) Springsteen won a court battle to keep the rights to his early songs. And here's two very interesting ones. In 2003, Anybody remember Little Eva? Do the locomotion with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eva Narcissus Boyd died at age 59, 18 mm-hmm. months after being diagnosed with cancer. She was known for the locomotive, but in locomotion, her other singles were Keep Your Hands Off My Baby, Let's Turkey Trot. I remember that one, the baby. And she did a remake of Bing Crosby's standard, Swinging on a Star. As a teenager, she worked as a maid and she earned extra money. Here's a coming, ladies. Extra money as a babysitter for songwriters Carol King and Jerry Goffin when they were married. And guess what? They wrote the locomotion for her and had her recorded as a demo. It went to number one in the U.S. in 1962, and it sold over a million copies. So Carol King and Jerry Goffin wrote the locomotive for their babysitter. I remember that story. And in 2005, on this day, the final episode of The Osbournes aired on MTV in the UK. It reached a peak audience of only 8 million during its three-year run. Ozzy couldn't explain the popularity. And he said, I suppose Americans get a kick out of watching a crazy British family like us make complete fools of ourselves every week. That's my Ozzy Osbourne. Sorry about that. Today is Brian Setzer's birthday. He's 64. The drummer for the Stone Roses is 59. I'm a drummer occasionally, so that's why. And Mandy Moore is 39. Now I have some interesting holidays for you. We have just a couple minutes left. Walter Hunt. Anybody ever heard of him? Anne or Beverly or Nina? No? Well, Walter Hunt 
He was born in 1796. In April of 1849, he invented the safety pin. Why? Because he owed somebody $15 and he didn't have any money. He was a mechanic. He didn't get cash or fame. He sold the patent to the W.R. Grayson Company, and they paid him $400. He paid his friend back the $15, and he pocketed the $385. He, He made the safety pin to improve the dress pin and prevent injuries to fingers. He made it with a brass wire that was eight inches long. However, he went on to invent a a fountain pen, a knife sharpener, and according to what I read, he invented the sewing machine. But he didn't patent it. You know why? He was afraid it would take jobs away from people who did sewing by hand. So in 2015, Safety Pin Day was named in honor of Walter Hunt. And in 2017, it was named International Safety Pin Day. And now it's just National Safety Pin Day. So there's an early creative. Can you imagine all the things he invented a rifle too? but I'm not talking about that. Today is Golfer's Day originated in Scotland, close to the royal capital, Edinburgh. It's National Calvin Day. If you know anybody named Calvin, do them a shout out. Hello, Calvin, happy birthday. No, not even a birthday. And it's Tamara or Tamara Day. If you know anybody named Tamara, give her a shout out. It's Cinnamon Crescent Day. It's Encourage a Young Writer Day. I want you all to do that, okay? Beverly sure. and Nina, I want you to encourage a young writer. And it's National Hug Your Dog Day. Does anybody have a dog here? Mm. Okay. Well, Hug Your Dog Day. The first pet dogs were actually domesticated wolves in Central Asia in 13,000 BC. The first pups for fire dogs were the Dalmatians in the horse-drawn age in the 1700s. In 1940... Guess who made his debut on TV and became the dog everybody loved? Lassie. Lassie, that's right, Lassie. In 1954, (laughs) the Humane Society was founded and saved 1.6 million dog lives a year. In 1973, the federal housing law in this country allowed emotional support and guidance dogs to bypass the no pet restrictions in public housing. And then in 2017, a vest was designed to hug your dog during stress like thunderstorms called the thunder shirt you ever heard of that nina mm. thunder shirt was invented in 2017 and let's see if i have any more cute little things to read to you i think that was it so let's go around the table we've got about a minute and a half left quickly let's have some websites where people can find you and charles where can people find you please uh it's easy www.anncharles.com a-n-n-c-h-a-r-l-e-s.com no e on and there we go Beverly Eagle Rogers, where? www.corajonesbootmcleod100.com. Oh, we need a we need a shorter website for you. My <laughs> goodness gracious! Can you can you spell that just quickly? Go ahead. www.corajonesbootmcleod100.com. Very good. Thank you. I think I had it, but I don't want to mess up. And Nina Angela Lee, where can people find you? NinaAngelaLee.com. And I have made all my music from my two CDs. One is You Got This and I Think You're Brave. It's all free for a week for your listeners. Thank you. Give us a, that's very sweet. Give us a, a website again. NinaAngelaLee.com. N-I-N-A-A-N-G-E-L-A-L-E-E.com. Thank you very much. And ladies, here my closing. We got less than a minute here. And Josh is probably telling me madly in the chat and I'm not. Two minutes. Okay, good. Less than two minutes. Now, okay, ladies, life is short. 
break the rules. Forgive quickly, kiss slowly. Trust me on that one. Love truly, laugh uncontrollably. Join me in a quick laugh, uncontrollably. One, two, three. (laughs) I always think I should open the show with that. And never, ever regret anything that made you smile. And here's the final. Work like you don't need the money because actually... Nobody else really cares. If you need it, make it happen. Dance like no one's watching. When I was teaching disco in front of 250 people in high heels on a Formica table in a high school cafeteria, everybody watched. And no, I didn't fall. I made them build a platform out of wood for me. Sing like nobody's listening. I tried not to sing. La, But Nina did beautifully today. Love like you've never been hurt because dang, we all have, for goodness sake. Get over it. Let your heart grow back again and regenerate. There's a lot of love out there. Money talks chocolate sings and last but not least i sold a slime from somebody thank you for turning me on ladies wave goodbye to social media thank you so there much go. don't go away we're gonna take pictures don't go away i'm gonna stop the streaming josh are we good thanks again for tuning in to read my lips radio presented by the voice america variety channel Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.